Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Welcome back to another episode of Fearless. I wanna take a moment just to say thank you. Thank you to all the followers. Thank you to the ones who have sent me notes of encouragement, messages on Instagram and other ways. I just wanna say thank you. That encouragement has been greatly appreciated and at many times greatly needed. We get on Fearless and we talk about really tough subjects. And I can be honest that I don't always want to talk about these tough subjects. Sometimes I wish I had a podcast that was more lighthearted where I had a co-host and we're having fun and we're laughing. And sometimes we've done that before, but I have just had this burden on my heart that I believe God has given me to encourage you on some tough subjects. And in the weeks to come, we are even gonna talk about some tougher subjects because I want you to be able to stand with a fearless faith and a compromising culture. And I hope this podcast is an encouragement to you to stand boldly into your faith, to know what you believe and why you believe it. So I just wanted to take the time to say thank you. But today we are gonna talk about the word unity. That is a word that has been tossed around a lot in our headlines, especially after last Wednesday and the inauguration and our president's speech. And we're gonna talk about, is unity possible? President Joe Biden has been talking about the word unity throughout many months of his presidential campaign. Unity was a theme in his campaign. And once again, it was a theme last Wednesday in his inaugural address before the country. And it's been the topic in the news and in headlines in the following days. But as I was driving in my car the other day after dropping the kids off, I just kept thinking, is unity possible? Many people are sitting here angered on both sides. So I'm not really talking about Republican or Democrat because I think there's a lot of hurt people in this world that have, for the last four years, have been called every ugly name in the book, including myself. I've been called some nasty names in the last four years. And we've seen cities burn. We've seen just hatred really on both sides, Republicans, Democrats, it doesn't matter, but... All of a sudden, all the people that have called nasty names want unity. We're not gonna make that argument here on Fearless Today because I think we can all use common sense and kind of scratch our heads when it comes to that. But I do think unity is a word that might be tossed around, kind of like a lot of words in our culture where unity has lost its meaning and purpose because we say it without thinking, because it is wishful thinking. We all do want unity. There have been times... I've set goals for projects. And when I think about that project, what do I want the outcome to be? I want unity. And is unity possible in our culture? Is unity possible in our government and those who govern over us in our governance? Is unity possible in the body of Christ? And what does all that mean? What is unity in our culture and in our governance? What does that mean? You know, are we to agree when our president asks for unity? Are we to agree on every issue? Well, no, of course not. That's not even humanly possible. We know that we're all sinners. A husband and a wife can't agree on everything. So that's, of course, not gonna happen. Are we to get along despite our differences and find the common good in people? Maybe that's possible. I think, do some see unity as you better get in line with what we believe or you're gonna be crushed? Is that what it means when it comes from our culture? 
Because with some common sense, we look at our president and he is saying these words, but those who support him kind of pick and choose those words whenever they would like to. But of course, we can look back in American history and we know what has always made America great were the core foundations and beliefs. And although people and parties might have different opinions of how you achieve some of those goals, how you achieve economic goals and social goals, but the country could unite around those core beliefs, whether freedom, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, free speech, the freedom of religion. And that has been the beauty of America, that despite differences on other things that we believe, we can believe in those core issues. But we can't unify around those essential and core beliefs when they are being threatened. And this year has been difficult. We've looked in the past year of freedoms that we have lost due to this pandemic. We've seen liberty taken away. We've seen the pursuit of happiness with people's businesses and American dreams be crushed. We're seeing now, of course, in the last couple weeks and months, free speech being taken away. The freedom of religion you know, is at stake and is at risk in this country. So when those core beliefs are under attack, it is hard to be unified because they're being threatened. And when I look at the word unity, you gotta ask the question, well, what are we unifying with? Are we unifying with the world who celebrates evil? Are we unifying with a world which is passing away? We know that by scripture that this world will pass away? Are we unifying with that? So how do you unify with unbiblical beliefs? And it was hard to watch part of the inauguration, not so much the inauguration itself, but maybe the commentary, because the same people who are providing the news and their commentary are praising Joe Biden for his faith. We're the same people who will mock faith We just saw how Senator Marco Rubio down here in Florida, where I live, was mocked for the Bible verses he posts, and CNN allows that kind of behavior and rhetoric to mock somebody and call them, I think they call him Bible boy, I can't remember. We see just a couple months ago, Amy Coney Barrett, godly woman, a wonderful mother, a wonderful judge, and she was mocked and questioned that maybe she couldn't do her job because of her faith. So how are we to unify with one moment you're mocking faith The next moment, you're praising a man for his faith. But that is the world that we live in. And of course, I don't want you to misunderstand me. In Romans 12, you know, it says, we are to live peacefully. And it says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Carefully consider what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. Do not avenge yourselves beloved, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Um, That's a big verse. We're not gonna go into all of that, but if it's possible, we are to live at peace with our neighbors. But I think living peacefully can also be misunderstood in the church and among Christians. Sometimes I think the word love can be misinterpreted and that's a subject that I'm very passionate about. Maybe I'll have to do a podcast on that now that I'm thinking about it. So often we say, you know, we're just to love, love, love. Of course we are. God commands us that. But the greatest love is Jesus. And if you don't talk about Jesus and what he did on the cross and confront the sin of the world, then you have to ask the question, is that really loving somebody? 
But I think too, in peace, you know, we're just to live in peace. We're to live our quiet lives on our corner of our street. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to make anybody uncomfortable with their faith and with our faith. We're to live quietly right here, peacefully. Well, yes, you are to be good neighbors and um, good stewards and good friends and all of that. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be times where you're going to have to stand for truth, when you're going to have to stand alone for truth, when you're going to have to stand for biblical principles when it's coming to raising your children and to being a good neighbor. And when you do stand for truth, peace might not always follow that. Because when you do so, that will create division. Because the Bible says so. The world hates when their sin is confronted. I mean, that's why John the Baptist was beheaded. He was confronting sin. The world hates Jesus. They hated him 2,000 years ago, and they hate him now. Why? Because the love of Jesus confronts their sin. So are we going to have unity in this world? No. Will there be peace in this world? No, because they reject the Prince of Peace. Are we going to have social justice in this world? No, because they reject the true meaning of justice. Are we going to have this like universal love that everybody can get along in this world? No, because they reject the greatest love of all, and that's Jesus. But to be a follower of Jesus, when you do that, when you take a stand in the world, they will reject you. They will not like it. And being a follower, it can be so lonely. Think how lonely Jesus was the night before his crucifixion or when he stood on Calvary or hung on Calvary and he hung alone and he was surrounded by two criminals where his best friends abandoned him out of fear. When you are a follower of Jesus, he's gonna call you to places that are uncomfortable. He's gonna call you places you don't wanna go. He's gonna call you places that are gonna be very lonely. And I don't say that to discourage you. I wanna encourage you with that. Because Jesus loved you so much, he stood before the world when they mocked him and took your sins onto him because he loved you. I hope it's an encouragement to know the truth, to know God's word, that um, we only have peace when we have truth. My favorite Bible verse, well, one of them, I probably say that a lot here on Fearless. One of my favorite Bible verses that I cling to often, I have it in my kitchen. I've actually inserted my name into the scripture so I can remember that Jesus is talking to me. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives and do not let your heart be troubled or afraid. That that is our hope, that we can have the Prince of Peace inside of our lives, that when it is uncomfortable, when there are frightening times, times that we do want to be fearful, we can remind ourselves that we have the Prince of Peace in our hearts. But when we look at the world, can the world be unified? Can our country be unified? Can the culture and those who govern us be unified? No, we can't. Not till the moments that Jesus comes back, when he will redeem this world, Will we have all that? But the next question is, can the church be unified? And in contrast to those others, unity in the body of Christ, I believe, you know, is deeply needed. We have to have it. In seasons where we've looked at, um, you can look at history where Christians 
um, are disregarded, when Christians have been criticized, when Christians have been treated like bad citizens, you can look back at the Romans and how they thought Christians were bad citizens because they did not worship Caesar or Roman gods. And the way that Paul wrote and the way that he spoke, I mean, he went against the Roman government when, it, um, when you look and it came about slavery and human sexuality. You know, I had a friend that, that reminded me that, you know, 20 or 40% are the estimates of the people in the Roman Empire who were slaves. Um, Ephesus was the slave trade capital of the Roman Empire. Armies that were defeated by the Romans, they were then enslaved. But Paul wrote in Galatians 3.8, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And this was a countercultural. This went against the culture of where he was living and what he was facing in his society. Christians were viewed by historians as poor Roman citizens. They were the low class. And when Christians are disfavored group in the eyes of culture and in government, unity, fellowship, and love with one another are so important in the body of Christ. We cannot be divided. We have to be the bride that Jesus comes back to. We have to be unified. We will need to give each other encouragement along the way and to love one another. I look in this world that we're in and Twitter is so easy to attack. And it's one thing when non-believers attack non-believers, but what my heart breaks over lately is when I see believers attack believers. Uh, trust me, I, I know it all too well as a family, as I see other believers attack my dad. And that's one thing my dad's always taught me. I know I did a podcast about this so long ago, but not to attack other believers. And I've never heard my dad, he might have concerns about some other people that he might share with his friends or family, but he's never gonna publicly attack anybody else in ministry or another church, or another pastor. Um, he always says, God will take care of that. He doesn't need, uh, God doesn't need Franklin Graham to do that. And that, for an example, I'm always thankful for that my dad set because it is so sad when you get on social media at night and you see other believers saying nasty things about other Christians because we have to be unified to stand against the world that is coming against the name of Jesus. And we're gonna have to um, stand for truth and we're gonna need to do it together. And that's why unity will be essential. That's why unity is essential for the church. But unity has to become based on truth. And I think this last year, and when you look back at 2020, and even now in the first few weeks of 2021, it has revealed a lot about people. I mean, you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly about everybody. It's also revealed a lot about the church. And there's so many churches out there, Christian leaders and pastors and Christian influencers who really have neglected truth, where they have been more concerned with social issues and not biblical issues, where they've been more concerned about preaching opinions and not God's word, because they really, maybe their churches have gotten so big that they don't wanna offend anybody. And once again, God's word offends because you're gonna confront sin. There's so many pastors out there who don't wanna confront sin. And I'm not here to attack. I want this to be an encouragement to you because for those who are listening, you're gonna have to discern, discern those who speak truth um, versus those who don't. And I want that 
you know, the Holy Spirit is gonna have to give you that discernment for yourself. Because I do believe the church has to be unified and we have to be unified in God's word and his truth. You know, when I think about unity in the church, so many times we can get divided on a lot of theology. And this is just, I'm kind of taking a little rabbit trail here. But another thing that my dad's always taught me that as Christians, we have more in common than we don't. And that's Jesus. And I wanna encourage you to keep your eyes focused on that. But when I say that, when I, when I say that we have more in common than we don't, is Jesus, is to know Jesus, to know God. Why? Because if you've been listening, I'll teach you uh, in this podcast to know your God well, to love him well, to know his scripture so that you can be able to stand in strength and take action. And an example that I think about standing together and united on these issues as the world will come against us is like, I look at Catholics and Protestants, how we need to support one another. Because I look at, you know, the Catholic foster care agency or, or people like little sisters of the poor who were punished by government for their deeply held beliefs, how we have to stand with them and unite with them. Um, when I think of Jack Phillips, the baker in Colorado, who's lost most of his business because government came after him for his deeply held beliefs. And some of these stories might seem so far away from you that they don't concern you. But as a believer and as a body united, this should deeply concern each of us because it is gonna come to each of our communities, wherever you are in whatever corner of the world you're in, this is gonna reach you. Why? Because you're clinging to the name of Jesus. And when you're a Christian, the world will come after you no matter where you are, whether you're in the public eye or whether you're a football coach, whether you're a teacher in a classroom that's gonna be forced to teach things that you don't believe or that you're a mom whose children are sent home with books on theology um, and ideology that you don't believe in. This is coming your way. So once again, that's so important why the body of um, the church, the bride that Jesus is gonna come back for why it's so important that we be united. So yes, it is important. And before we close, I just wanna remind you, it is important to seek peace and to live at peace peacefully in the world. But when the world is hostile to truth and it rejects truth, we cannot live by what is not true just by you know the sake of getting along. Unity will be needed for all of us in the church when the persecution is increased. And I mean, that's just a promise that the persecution is gonna increase and maybe it's coming faster than we could think. Maybe the floodgates have been opening and it's gonna be like waves crashing on a beach where we can barely stand up. And um, Jesus warns that they will hate you because they first hated him. And in scripture, it says, um, I've come to set the world on fire. And this is Jesus talking. And I wish it was already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me and I'm under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think that I've come to bring peace to the earth? No, I've come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son, son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. I mean, you think how much we've seen division in the church and in families in the recent years. 
It's really sad to see, but Jesus forewarned that. But remember what I said. He came, his name divides because he has to confront the world of sin and you can choose him or you can reject him. And like I read earlier, he gives you a peace that the world cannot give. So when the world comes against you, you can stand solid on the word of God as your solid foundation, knowing that Jesus is your peace. I wanna say thank you for joining me on another episode of Fearless, but I wanna close with John three nineteen. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. So as we look at the word unity, it's not gonna be possible to have unity with the world, with the world that hates Jesus. Because in John chapter three, it says, the world loves darkness. They will reject the light because they love darkness and the world is filled with evil. So we're not gonna be able to have unity. We, are, we can, if possible, scripture says, to live peacefully with those around us and with the world, but we're also to stand as a light in the world, a light in the darkness, and that Jesus Christ is the light of the world and he has given us that light, that you can be a light in your community. And I wanna encourage you to be that light. And of course, a light in the darkness is lonely. There are gonna be lonely days. There are gonna be days that you're uh, afraid, but I also wanna encourage you to seek unity in the church. Um, Be praying for your pastor, be praying for your church and those who you follow that do have a voice, who've been given a voice. Um, And I pray that you have discernment, discernment on who to um, follow and who speaks truth. But with that as an encouragement, I also wanna encourage you, what you need to be following and knowing is God's word because so many other people will lead us astray. And I pray that my words never lead you astray, but always point you back to the word of God to be your solid foundation so you can know what you believe and why you believe it. Thank you for following me on another episode of Fearless. I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And once again, thank you for all those who have encouraged me along the way. I was